1: The Washington Commanders head down to Georgia to take on the Atlanta Falcons. We have your game preview with Will McFadden from the Believe in Falcons. Let's go. (music) Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Ref the District. I'm Nathan Perry. That's the Stoner. We are on the Believe Network, and we will have Will McFadden joining us here a little bit from the Believe in Falcons podcast. This game, Stoner, is a team of or a, a game of two teams seemingly headed in different directions right now. Both started off two and zero, start, then came to two and two Washington had an opponent. They thought they were going to be able to beat and become three and two. They lose the Falcons thought, you know, maybe that that game against Houston in the beginning was supposed to be easy, but that game turned into be a little bit more of a dogfight, but they won.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How can Washington get back on track? here against the Atlanta Falcons.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't believe too much into the Falcons because of the teams they've beaten. So this isn't necessarily one of those games where you say, wow, three and two for Atlanta. Washington's really got a tough game in front of them. Of course, every game is tough, but I don't think Atlanta is as good as their record says or as good as last week with Desmond Ritter having this amazing game and coming back to beat Houston. Washington just has to get back to their basics of what they can do well that makes them successful. All the statistics say you've got to run the ball more. You've got to throw it a little bit less. That's where their success is. And obviously they've got to play a much better defense they had. This is not an explosive offense for Atlanta. They've got some talent, don't get me wrong, on offense, but it's not some sort of explosive offense. They only average 16 and a half points a game on offense that's 27th in the league so don't be afraid of their offense but obviously it's going to be a tough game
1: yeah definitely seems set up for a bit of a dog fight i'm really interested in seeing how the battle of the b robs go because if mm-hmm. washington leans on the rushing attack which they did last year against atlanta this could be a an entirely different game but we'll have to see how that's going on let's get will mcfadden here from the believe in falcons to tell us from their side of things. Well, thanks for joining us here on ref, the district, your Falcons three and two, a uh, little surprising for that team to be doing so well in this season, or are you not surprised?
3: Well, I, I think that if, first off, thank you guys for having me on. I think that if you had asked me exactly one week ago, the tone would have been totally different, mm-hmm. right? Even, two and two, probably the expectation was around there. Maybe they would surprise some people go three and one out of the gate, but I think a lot of people did expect three and two. Now the real tricky part here is the preseason expectations. When you look at, all right, we're playing the Houston Texans. We expect that to be a win versus the team that you actually got coming into Mercedes-Benz stadium. You feel a little bit better about emerging with a victory against the way that the Houston Texans are actually playing right now. Um, So for that reason, yeah, it feels pretty good to be three and two, even though that was probably the expectation. It's just the route to get here. In some ways you feel a little bit worse, but in some ways you feel a little bit better.
2: It's funny because it's kind of the exact same thing with Washington. We kind of expected to be two and three, possibly looking at our schedule, but the way we got to our two and three, is what's got us kind of messed up with that just horrendous loss to Chicago. What's the feeling for Atlanta fans with Washington coming in this week?
3: Well, I do a uh, a piece that actually just went up. Um, it goes up every Thursday on the Falcoholic, but it's essentially kind of a long-term scouting look at all of the teams on the Falcon schedule, just how they do each week. And just like a little short synopsis for fans who want to keep track of, say, you know, the Chicago bears who the Falcons will, face later on in the season and Washington has been one of the teams where early on as I've been doing this I've I've enjoyed watching them you know there there are a couple of games where yeah it's like ah this was just not the right day for Washington and Mm -hmm. really not a lot of answers for one reason or another but then you do get the Philly game then you do get kind of the performances at the beginning of the year personally as a Brian Robinson fantasy holder I I really like what Washington's offense can be I just do feel like there's some very specific games that they have to play to be able to really, really succeed to the way that they're kind of designed. But you look at the talent on the on paper and the way that they are playing on actually on the field, there's a little bit of a disconnect. But the places that you expect to really perform, notably the defensive line, like I, I think the defensive line has been awesome. You just hope that you kind of get the week where the offense can really support that and supplement that. And that could be any given week. Like, they're a little bit similar in my mind to a lot of the teams that the Falcons are going to face all throughout the schedule. Green Bay, Indianapolis, Tennessee, you know, these teams were any given week they could win 34 to 17, but the reverse could be true on any given Sunday as well.
1: Well, you, you brought up talent, Will, and uh, the Atlanta Falcons have some serious first round talent that they've picked up over the last three years. Kyle pitch Drake, London, Bashan Robinson this year, they all seem to be the real deal as far as offensive pieces. Desmond Ritter taken a little bit later than the first round seems to be struggling to get things going here in his sophomore year, although he did have his best game last week against Houston, barely beating Houston, though, 21 to 19. What, where does Desmond Ritter kind of fit into the future of the Atlanta Falcons, especially with such good offensive talent surrounding him?
3: Yeah, this is another question where this specific week my answer may be different than it it would have been again just a week ago, but this is the performance that you had seen just small glimpses of being possible, right? Even in some of his worst games, the Detroit game. He got sacked 7 times, just never really found a chemistry. It felt like the Lions knew everything the Falcons wanted to do. Even in that game, there'd be like a third and 18 where he would just rip the ball into kind of quadruple coverage with perfect anticipation and timing. And you're like, there it is. That's what we need. You just got to do that a little bit more. But by and large, I some of my issues offensively have not just been with the quarterback. He has been inaccurate at times. He has kind of made some questionable decisions, but it has also been with the overall scheme that he's working with. I think the Falcons do an incredible job, obviously with their run design, with some of their offensive line designs, but I could never really get a sense of, was the passing game limited in its complexity because of what they were working with at quarterback and because they were kind of keeping maybe the training wheels, even though that seems like a little bit of a derogatory term, but kind of keeping that system in place to where he kind of couldn't do too much. Last week, it felt like they took that off. And I don't know if that's why Desmond Ritter responded, if maybe he was just bumping up against. I've got a nine month old, right? So I can tell when he's getting ready to learn a new skill. We think we're really right on the verge of dada, mama, all that stuff. Yeah. And I can just tell he's like antsy. He's got more energy at night. He doesn't want to go to sleep. It's like he's bumping up against the threshold of his own ability and that's where i feel like maybe there was a little bit of a breakthrough for desmond ritter because the offense expanded a little bit it changed it grew maybe that provided desmond ritter with the chance to grow alongside of it so kind of we'll see against washington it's it's a bad answer because again it's one performance so is this an outlier or is this the start of something more but i was there in person it looked from start to finish really good i mean it, it was hard to kind of find anywhere where this is maybe a false
2: It was really disappointing for Washington fans because we were kind of, well, a lot of people were hoping for the Taylor Heineke revenge game. He's a cult <laughs> hero here in Washington. It's amazing how many people are still mad that he left in the offseason. He's not still the start, but that's for, that's for another day, but let me kind of move to the defense. Atlanta's not necessarily known for their defense. However, this year, Atlanta's defense is legit. They're a top, basically a top 10 defense. They're seventh in scoring average defensively. What is it about this defense? Who are the guys that we should be looking out for uh defensively for the Falcons?
3: Yeah, it's it's all kind of newcomers interestingly enough for Atlanta. That doesn't mean that, you know, Grady Jarrett's not still in place and he's not still playing well, but really it's Jesse Bates first and foremost. I mean, he's his play has been lights out um all all season long, but David Onyemata, uh next to Grady Jarrett on the interior, is playing really well. Um, Calais Campbell, the veteran they brought in, kind of got dinged up in the last game, but his presence in the locker room is just as impactful as, as on the field. And then, kind of, you look at some of the other, maybe lower-name guys, and to me, this is not a lower-name guy, but Jeff Okuda, who they traded for, brought in. He has made two starts as he was kind of coming back from an ankle injury, but by and large, he's been awesome. He's looked like the Jeff Okuda that he was, or that made him the the number three overall pick back when he came out. And then Caden Ellis is another lesser known player at the linebacker position who does a little bit of of everything. So I would say the Falcons' defense, the way that they're doing it, is kind of the hard way. Like you look at their sack totals, they don't have a ton of sacks. They are up there in pressure, but they're not getting to the quarterback. So you're not getting these easy second and 16s, which just kill drives. And you can almost kind of say, all right, cool, we're going to get off the field as long as you're not playing the Chiefs or you know one of these crazy teams that are just like second and 16, no worries. Um, the Falcons aren't doing that. What they are doing is they are really good in short yardage situations. And rewatching the the film from the Houston game, I was flabbergasted at the number of plays that the defensive line, that the guys on the line of scrimmage, we're making in the backfield uh, in the run game. And that's not usually how I feel like I I see things break down. Usually it's defensive linemen eating up the blocks, the linebackers or the safeties, these second level guys coming in and and filling the gaps and making the play. These defensive linemen for Atlanta are so good at block shedding and getting off that sometimes you'll get a free gap because it is very one gappy. And these guys do try to make plays sometimes. So if Brian Robinson or or Antonio Gibson um, can hit a hole and hit it fast. If they hit the right one, It could they could break the distance. Um, But it's just been sound, collective football up front and then on the back end, just changing everything up schematically. I mean, I'm really curious to see how Sam Howell kind of operates in this game because the Falcons have been so good at specifically trying to confuse the quarterback position. Um, And we've seen, you know, Bryce Young paid the price for it. CJ Stroud was able to most definitely kind of overcome a lot of that but even he struggled relative to how he's looked at the entire season so again I'm, I'm really looking at how Sam Howell is going to play against this secondary
1: yeah well we're hoping that it's not a repeat of the Bills game in that regard uh you mentioned some newcomers there for Atlanta on the defense kind of showing up and in a helping Washington's newcomer to defense, uh, both uh, newcomers on the starting side haven't been doing well. In fact, Emmanuel Forbes was benched for his poor play. Still on the starting lineup, though, is Cody Barton, who's going to have to go up against your B Rob and Kyle Pitts. How much are you salvating for that matchup?
3: Uh, <laughs> a good bet. you know. It's <laughs> it's it's not been. I think. Well, it's weird because the. Talent level, again, has always been apparent with Kyle Pitts, with Drake London, certainly with with Bajon. Um, But for one reason or another, it, it just never felt like Kyle Pitts was being utilized the way that he should. Um, it's kind of same with Drake London, even though Drake London would have more of the six catches, 85 yard game, one touchdown than Kyle Pitts would. But that all kind of changed last week. And again, it's really hard to know, is this true change that's going to last throughout the rest of the season? or was this like one game you got it all right but where to go what happened mm. why why aren't we seeing that again Kyle Pitts was awesome in this past game you know he was he can run a lot of these routes from the tight end position that are just you would usually see Mike Evans running that you would usually see AJ Brown running you know these big physical receivers who have the speed who have the Julio Jones as well I mean what made Julio special was his ability to kind of change direction without slowing down, even though he was as big as he was. You see smaller guys like Tyreek Hill do that all the time, but very rarely are you seeing 6'2", 210 pound wide receivers. And that's what Kyle Pitts does, even though he's 6'5", 6'6". <laughs> like, so mm-hmm. he can get on his horse and and move. So I like him against pretty much anybody in, in any matchup. It's just been a difficult time getting him the ball. It's Kind of the reverse with Bajan Robinson. Bajan is going to get his touches and he is going to make plays. I mean, I've yet to see any defense really shut him down, bottle him up. I mean, again, it's only been five games. So maybe that is to come. But even against if you put four defenders in an Oklahoma drill against him one on one or one on four, I still like his chances. I mean, he is that good in a phone booth at just making guys miss. I'm sure you saw the highlight of him making that one handed catch kind of behind his back. And then he does stuff like that every fifth play. And it's so much fun to watch. You guys are really going to enjoy. I mean, I hope you don't enjoy too much. much Right. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy might be the wrong word, but, but there will be some wow moments from you guys for sure. And, and it's a blast to see. Kyle Pitts, He gator. He
2: gator. That's right. He a gator. Uh, gator. (laughs) Um, Oh, one of my favorite players over the last few years uh, is on Atlanta, Cordero Patterson. and And last year, he was just a beast running the ball, catching the ball, all kinds of stuff. Even against in that Washington game, he was he was tough to stop. What's going on with him this year? Is he just being aced out of the offense because of those talents that you just talked about? Or is it injuries or is it a combo?
3: I I think it's a little bit of a combo. I think certainly to begin with, he was not fully healthy. Yeah. He's probably still to some degree working back to, to full health, although he has played, you know, the last couple of games, but he has had a minimal role on the offense. It's basically, he's just their starting kick returner, which we know how good he is in, in that area. But I don't, I feel like this is one of those cases where, People are are trying to identify a reason because of his past performance, but we forget that he's an older player, that he is at a position where you accrue a lot of mileage and that you do kind of wear out a little bit more quickly. And also Arthur Smith has just been a proponent since he's been here of this is a long season. Guys are going to get hurt. Having depth is a good thing. And they may honestly view the fact that they've got Bajan Robinson and Tyler Algiers, they're one and two right now. You don't take any touches away from those guys, but if anything were to happen, then you got Cordero Patterson. So why necessarily get him hit, give him these carries in games where it's just to kind of get him involved. But then maybe you end up with a situation where Bajan carries the ball 12 times. Tyler carries the ball eight times. Cordero carries the ball eight times. And nobody really gets into much of a rhythm. So I, I, they, I could see a world, and I'm speculating here, but I could see a world where they say, look, we're, we've got Cordero Patterson in his role if that expands, great. If one of these guys gets hurt, then we've got him here. But, you know, right now what they've got going on the ground seems to be working. Uh, And I am curious if they decide, you know, if they do find another role for him, but Van Jefferson just got traded for, like, I, I don't know if his role on the offense is going to expand to the point that it has been over the past couple of years. But I think that's kind of a testament to the talent that they've been able to crew a little bit on the offense.
1: Well, Will, it is going to be the battle of the B Robs. You are a fantasy holder of our B Rob. (laughs) What's this game got to look like for Brian Robinson to outplay
3: Bajan Robinson? Ooh, ooh, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I don't know if that's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I, you know, I would, I would say that. Perfect timing. Um, I hope that you guys are playing this clip next week. I, actually, I don't hope that. But if you guys are playing this clip next week, and uh, make me eat my words. Then that's awesome and kudos for you. Because again, I think Brian Robinson is a, a great player. I think he's a little bit more game script dependent than Bajan is. Because even if Washington gets out to some big lead, yeah, Bajan is going to be a, a big factor. He they split him out wide. They use him all over the field. But I think this game is going to be close. You know, the Falcons are not one of these teams that jumps out to a 21 to nothing lead on opponents. They're not, they're a team that's going to be in a 12 to 18 game with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. And that's also kind of the game that I think Washington can play really well. So (laughs) from that standpoint, I expect Brian Robinson to have a pretty good game. The Falcons have been decent at limiting opposing running backs, but Damian Pierce was able to find some, some running room. It's just the teams have to show a willingness to stick to the run game against Atlanta and if they do try to get a little pass happy, that's where I think the, it kind of plays into the Falcons' hands. So from that standpoint, I like Brian Robinson to be a little bit of the focal point of Washington's offense, and I think there's a chance that he has a pretty good game on Sunday.
2: All right. So here's my last question for you, Will. Um, you guys have the three wins against uh, against Carolina, Green Bay, and Houston. Not world beaters. Those those three combined four and eleven record. So I'm not sold on Atlanta being a contender this year, I need to see more. And especially from, uh, Desmond Ritter, what say you about the final score for this game, Washington against Atlanta?
3: (laughs) Um, you know, I've been horrible at these, this all season long and usually historically I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, (laughs) but I, I liked him against Jacksonville. I then didn't like him against Houston. I do like, Atlanta this week, but again, it's just tough to know is that recency bias because they look so good last week. But I, I think that that is here to stay. I do like the matchup. It's a little bit. It's they're not DJ Moore. The Falcons don't have a DJ Moore, so you don't have to worry about that. Hmm. But against Kendall Fuller, uh, St. Jude's, you know the Forbes. Like I think that actually, weirdly enough, Forbes has the the height, just not the frame to match hmm. up against a, a Drake London or anybody like that. So I think the opportunities are going to be there through the air. I just really worry about the the defensive line for y'all and kind of buying the time to send these mm. down the field. But that's where Jonu Smith, Bijan Robinson, there's just too many weapons I think Atlanta has in too many different ways. So I'm looking at maybe something like a 27-21 type of game, even though I know that's, I feel like, a very common uh, pick, right? It's also but, seems yeah. very
1: high scoring for both it, teams. Uh, it does. Not, yeah. not exactly known for putting up. 27 points on the regular but uh
3: you get some of these games sometimes you know and mm -hmm. and shootouts beget shootouts and two teams of equal caliber i i think i think you can get there
1: i mean it is what happened to washington against denver we expected a low scoring game and ended up being a bit of a shootout will i have to say i really hope you're still on your wrong streak here (laughs) uh so that way our washington commanders can come out on top we appreciate you will joining us here on ref the district the game is on sunday played in atlanta we'll be streaming here our play-by-play and commentary make sure you join us on ref the district i'm nathan perry that's the stoner and until next time we're getting a dub
2: just let him know we're getting a
1: dub
0: be a fan